All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast. It's here. I've been hyping it up for a while. I don't know why. I mean, who knows how accurate any of these picks will be for my 2022 NFL Mock Draft episode for the Final Final Podcast. I'm always excited to do this. This is so much fun, even if I'm get zero of these picks correct it's always fun to project and predict and think what how would this player match up with this team in this scheme all these different kind of scenarios are really fun to put together and I've been doing this uh, for I think now this is like the fourth year in a row maybe fifth year in a row that I've done uh, one of these so I always like doing it and I like sharing it with anybody who wants to listen as well so as always I'll give you uh how I do this what I, with, with this mock draft. I'm just doing the first round. I thought about doing a second round, but then as I, I got started, I'm like, what are you doing? You have you, have, you barely have any idea how you're going to do your first round. The second round is just a nightmare. So those guys that do like full seven round mock drafts, like one, you're crazy. And two, I applaud you for even attempting <laughs> to do something like that. Um, but with my mock draft, what I do is I look at what the team needs. I read and I, and I look at kind of what they did last year what they're going into the offseason this year with, what they did in free agency, see what they still need on this team to kind of fill it out. Also, you got to look at what this team needs for the future as well. The draft isn't just about plugging in some guy that you need for this year. It's about filling a need that you'll need down the road as well. So that's why you see team like with the Packers, maybe they thought they weren't going to have Aaron Rodgers in a couple of years. That's what the Jordan Love pick kind of does. That's why you see teams kind of double up on positions, maybe offensive line, or edge rusher because that's going to be a need next year when some guys are free agents. You look at what a team needs now, you look at what a team needs down the line, and and then you decide with your mock draft where you're going to go with it. Now, these picks are based off of what I think the team needs and which player I think they should go with, not off of what I think they're going to go with, not off of what I've been hearing they're going to go with, not off of any sources that I have that they're going to be going with. You'll see it with pick one right off the bat. Right now we're in that draft part. We're during that part of the draft cycle where it's just all smoke at this point. We're hearing Trayvon Walker possibly going number one. We're hearing, could a quarterback go here? Could this guy go here? Is this team looking to trade up? Is this team looking to trade back? This team really likes X player at the offensive line spot. It wouldn't make sense to try and take all these different rumors and then try to put it into a mock draft. You'll have three different players going to one team or you'll have, yeah, exactly. You'll, you'll, that's how you'll, your mock draft will end up. So what I do is I pick the player that I think would best fit the team looking at their team needs and what I think the team should do. This is what I think the team should pick with these draft selections. All right. So we'll go ahead and get started. I'm also going to do it four picks at a time and then I'll obviously explain my pick still, but hopefully that keeps it moving a little bit faster as well. And we'll still get to my final thoughts on this episode as well. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. You didn't think that sound was going to go away, did you? I'm still going to bring back in the sound every year. So with the first four picks, Jacksonville Jaguars, Detroit Lions, Houston Texans, and the New York Jets, I've got Evan Neal, offensive tackle from Alabama, going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end from Michigan, going to the Detroit Lions, Houston Texans taking... Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end out of Oregon, and the New York Jets taking cornerback Ahmad Gardner out of Cincinnati. So with the first pick, a little bit of a surprise off the top. I have Evan Neal, offensive tackle out of Alabama. A lot of people right now, it's Trayvon Walker, defensive end out of Georgia, now being the favorite to go number one. It's Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan. For me, this is about protecting Trevor Lawrence. And Evan Neal has the versatility to play guard his rookie season, and then be the long-term left tackle if they don't re-sign Cam Robinson. They they franchise-tagged Cam Robinson as their left tackle. They have Juwan Taylor at the right tackle spot, and he's on an expiring rookie contract. This is a position of need for the Jacksonville Jaguars along that offensive line for now and the future. This allows them to not have to re-sign Cam Robinson to a long-term deal next year if they don't want. It also gives them flexibility next year between Cam Robinson, John Taylor, and now having Evan Neal. Why not make the offensive line a strength for this team in front of your second-year quarterback who you've put all your chips in on, a guy that has been one of the best prospects in years at the quarterback position? Why not put Juwan Taylor, Cam Robinson, 
And now Evan Neal, Evan Neal can play all those guard spots, and then he can slide to tackle next year if you need him to as well. This one, to me, is what I think the Jacksonville Jaguars should do. I know the defense needs a lot of help, but this is how you protect your franchise quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. Really see if he can take a big step next year. Make the offensive line a strength. Also gives you the flexibility in years to come with Evan Neal. Detroit Lions, Aiden Hutchinson. This one's pretty straightforward. I believe Detroit only had 30 sacks last season, among the least in the NFL. Hutchinson, runner-up for the Heisman Trophy a year ago as a defender. 13 sacks, hometown kid, has the motor, worth ethic, and production that Dan Campbell and Detroit are looking for during this rebuild. This is a perfect fit. If he falls to them at number two, they're going to be sprinting up there to get Aiden Hutchinson on their team. It just This is one of my favorite picks. It just makes too much sense if Aiden Hutchinson doesn't end up in Detroit. I hope this one happens. He's a, he's a hometown kid. He loves Detroit as well. Played at Michigan. Would just make a ton of sense. Houston Texans then. I went with Kayvon Thibodeau. Texans, I mentioned this maybe two episodes ago. They have needs everywhere. Lovey Smith is their new head coach and their defensive coordinator. He'd be able to utilize Thibodeau in ways that bring out his best attributes, his speed, and his bend off of the edge to get to the quarterback. He has a lot of potential to grow, and, and Lovey Smith, the way he'd be able to use it, utilize excuse me, Kayvon Thibodeau, just makes a lot of sense for the Houston Texans with this third overall pick. And then with the New York Jets, with that fourth overall pick, Pass rush or corner is going to be this pick for the Jets. I went with the number one corner in this draft. Sauce Gardner is his nickname. He only gave up 122 yards, no zero touchdowns last season in college football. This is the Cincinnati team that went to the college football playoffs as well. Big season for them. The Jets are going to have to cover some of these big-name wide receivers in this division. Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill. Ahmad Sauce Gardner has that length. I believe he's like 6'3". He's got incredibly long arms, and he's a lockdown corner from day one. I mean, if one of these big pass rushers in Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Trayvon Walker falls to them, it's going to be a tough decision. I think it's something that they're going to have to talk through, but Gardner is someone that can come in and be their lockdown corner from day one in New York. It's a big need for them as well. They don't have anyone. I mean, they just lost Marcus May, their safety as well, their secondary it's kind of in shambles. I'll, I'll show you what I do with their 10th overall pick coming up in a little bit, but I've got Ahmad Sauce Gardner going fourth overall to the New York Jets. I love this sound. All right, next four picks. we got the New York Giants at five, taking Iki Ikwanu, the offensive tackle from NC State. Carolina Panthers with the sixth overall pick, taking Kenny Pickett, the quarterback from Pittsburgh. The New York Giants with the seventh overall pick as well, taking Trayvon Walker, the defensive lineman out of Georgia. And then the Atlanta Falcons with the eighth overall pick, taking Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. So starting with the Giants, I'll do both of their picks here at five and seven. They just need help in the trenches. They really need an offensive lineman. I think they're going to take Iki Ikwanu with that fifth overall pick before the Carolina Panthers with the sixth overall pick because Carolina is deciding between a quarterback and an offensive lineman right now. The Giants need to be able to protect Daniel Jones opposite of Andrew Thomas along that offensive line. They're giving Daniel Jones one more crack at it. Got to be able to protect him to see what he can really do. Also, this can get Saquon going if he stays healthy. Iquanu considered one of the best run blockers in this draft. Hopefully, if, if Saquon can stay healthy, he can just run right behind Iki Aquano and they can get back to the Saquon of his rookie season and his sophomore season when he was healthy. And then Trayvon Walker, this I for the Giants at seven. Couldn't have worked out any better for the Giants. Um, this might be a spot for a team to trade up. I think the Giants would love to trade out of one of these top two picks, but I'm not doing trades in this mock draft. I mean, they get a potential franchise player on the offensive side of the ball in Aquanu. And on the defensive side of the ball in Walker. Walker has been rumored at number one. He's actually, I believe, the betting favorite to go number one overall to the Jaguars right now. And it's because of his upside and his measurables. He, This guy is insanely athletic for his size. I believe he's like 6'3", 275 in the speed, or 285 maybe, in the speed is unbelievable on this guy. And he kind of got overshadowed on that Georgia defense. Georgia's defense could have six first-rounders. He got a little bit overshadowed, but the measurables and the potential for this guy are unbelievable. But he's also, he's just absolutely, he's going to be absolutely a monster in the NFL when he gets this expanded role 
and he can show off what he can do. I think this is just a great pick for the New York Giants if Trayvon Walker falls to them. I think number one is a little rich, especially when I think the Jaguars need an offensive lineman to protect Trevor Lawrence. But here for the Giants at seven, Trayvon Walker, the defensive lineman out of Georgia, falls to them there. I went with Kenny Pickett for their quarterback at Carolina. This could easily be Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. But I don't. the Panthers don't have another pick until the fourth round, and they need a quarterback. I've said this maybe a couple episodes ago in the podcast. I don't think if they don't make a change at quarterback, there's going to be a new coaching staff in front office in Carolina next year. If they have a rookie quarterback, they can at least plead, hey, we had a rookie quarterback. He went through his normal rookie scu- struggles. Excuse me. Give us another year to work with him, and then if, if nothing improves, then maybe we lose our jobs. I think this is a way for them to <laughs> maybe save their jobs in Carolina, but also – Pickett was recruited to Temple by head coach Matt Rule before he went to Baylor. So Matt Rule, now the coach in Carolina. So there's a connection there that makes sense. And Kenny Pickett can step in day one, potentially take over the position from Sam Darnold. I think Kenny Pickett is the pick at quarterback for Carolina. Also gives them a chance for Matt Rule to save his job for at least one more season. Doesn't guarantee it. Gives them a chance because Kenny Pickett is the quarterback that's ready to step in right away and be a starting quarterback and then lastly here with this other one the Garrett Wilson to the Atlanta Falcons at wide receiver Falcons have a lot of needs but they need to help out their head coach Arthur Smith in his wide receiver room I mean this thing is just bare right now it's Olamide Zacchaeus and Demir Bird as their top two wide receivers I mean they lost Julio Jones last year with a trade Calvin Ridley they lost now this year due to a suspension they traded away Matt Ryan I mean, they, if they don't trade down for more picks with this spot, I think Garrett Wilson, wide receiver out of Ohio State, could be their guy to help restock the talent in, on this offense. I mean, I already gave you the number one option in Olamide Sakias for Marcus Mariota, who they brought in to be their quarterback. But, man, they just need some bodies. Otherwise, Kyle Pitts, their first-round pick last year, is just going to be getting triple-teamed, and there's going to be no one to throw to for this offense. Wilson can come in. And be the number one right away, excel. He's got incredible speed and separation, and he's got great strength going up for those jump balls at the catch point. He's been compared to the likes of, of Stefan Diggs, which, which doesn't hurt either, coming out of college. So Garrett Wilson to the Atlanta Falcons at number eight is my pick. All right, then we go on to the next four picks here, nine through 12. Love using this. Seattle Seahawks with the ninth overall pick, Charles Cross the offensive tackle out of Mississippi State. New York Jets with their second pick in the top 10, Jermaine Johnson, edge rusher out of Florida State. This one I'll make sense in a second. Washington Commanders, Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame. And then the Minnesota Vikings, Derek Stingley Jr., the cornerback out of LSU. So let's start with the Seahawks. This is another team that could go quarterback, but I have another thought for them. So I think they grab a franchise left tackle here. That is badly needed with Dwayne Brown on his way out. And when I see when I say I have another thought for them, it'll be included in my final thought on this episode of the podcast. So you have to wait around for why I don't think they take a quarterback here. Cross, Charles Cross, back to the pick now, is potentially the best pass blocker in this draft, coming from the system of Mike Leach at Mississippi State. This is the spot where I think the Seahawks are, are able to go best available between pass rusher and offensive line. They end up going with Cross protecting their next quarterback in the post-Russell Wilson era. They need to restock that offensive line. New York Jets then at 10, Jermaine Johnson, edge rusher. This is a popular spot for receiver, but again, I'll explain why I don't have one going here later, and you'll understand why. Jets go full rebuild, rebuild on the defense that needs it, with Johnson to go opposite of Carl Lawson at the edge rusher, edge rusher positions. Johnson, also possibly the best run defender off the edge in this class, can continue to grow his pass-rushing arsenal under head coach Robert Sala. We saw what he was able to do with that San Francisco 49ers front seven and front four when he was in San Francisco with Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner. I'm missing one as well, but those D Ford, that's the other guy I was thinking of. What he was able to do with those guys, Robert Sala needs some guys along his front four on the defensive side. Johnson is a huge talent to add there. 
I think this is a great pick for the New York Jets. You'll understand why later I didn't go with a wide receiver. Washington then, Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame. A lot of people have Kyle Hamilton as one of their top three ranked players in this draft. This is where I have him falling to in the end of his kind of draft slide. Washington could go with a big receiver in Drake London here for Carson Wentz to go alongside Terry McLaurin, but I think with the loss of their safety, Landon Collins in free agency in the secondary, Hamilton brings this defense to a new level of good for Ron Rivera, which you know he loves having one of the top defenses, even better than two years ago when they had that healthy Chase Young, that healthy front four of all first-round defensive linemen. Hamilton can play all over the field for Ron Rivera, and I think it's just too good for him to pass up where this is a deep wide receiver class. They can still grab a really talented wide receiver in the second round. Kyle Hamilton can just be an absolute monster on this defense in Washington with all the talent spread across the field, especially in the front four. They also have some nice corners in Kendall Fuller as well. Kyle Hamilton would just thrive in Washington. And then Minnesota with Derek Stingley. This has been the pick for everyone, and there's a reason why it just makes too much sense. Stingley falls to the Vikings. He's got some consistency issues after subpar sophomore and junior seasons, but his freshman year tape is something to behold. I mean, whoever drafts him, the Vikings or whoever else, are hoping that if he's fully healthy, he can get back to the form in his freshman year where he was shutting down the likes of Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson in those LSU practices day in and day out. Stingley can also learn then from another LSU corner, Patrick Peterson, who's on the Vikings right now. Stingley could literally end up being the best player in this draft if he's able to get back to that form that we saw when he was a freshman in college. He was battling day in and day out with Jamar Jefferson. I'm sorry, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, two of the top maybe five wide receivers in this league right now. Derek Stingley to the Vikings makes a ton of sense at 12 and fills a huge need for them as well. Could be a steal in the draft also. All right, next four. Is this too loud? I'm not sure if this is too loud, but I love it. Next four picks, we got 13 through 16. Houston Texans via the Cleveland Browns here. They take Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC. Baltimore Ravens with the 14th overall pick take Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. Philadelphia Eagles, this is their pick via the Miami Dolphins. They take Trent McDuffie, the cornerback from Washington. And then the New Orleans Saints, this is the pick that they traded with from the Eagles that the Eagles got from the Indianapolis Colts in the Carson Wentz trade. They take Jamison Williams, the wide receiver, out of Alabama. So we'll start with the Texans again. They're sticking with Davis Mills at their quarterback. they got to give him some capable wide receivers outside of Brandon Cooks so they can get an accurate kind of reading and feel for if an evaluation if Davis Mills is going to be their starting quarterback going forward. London can be that go-to, big body, huge catch radius and after-the-catch ability for Davis Mills. I mean, that's what makes him a desirable top wide receiver in this draft. You got the speed of Brandon Cooks on one side, the big body of Drake London on the other. I mean, he, in like 10 games, I believe, for USC last year before he had that ankle injury, which seems to be healed up and will be healed up by the start of this next season. I believe he only played 10 games. He had over 100 receptions, over 1,200 yards, and what maybe was it close to 12 touchdowns. That's just in 10 games of college football. That's incredible. Drake London to the Texans makes a lot of sense for them to get a good evaluation of Davis Mills. Like I said, Texans have needs all over the field. Ravens then, Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. I really wanted to go Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa here to shore up their offensive line. Then I wanted to go Trent McDuffie, the cornerback that I sent to the Eagles from Washington. I ended up going with Davis because of this immense type of talent that you that the Ravens just they won't pass up on I just don't see them passing up on it especially in an area of need for them as well they brought back the mammoth Calais Campbell 6'8 for one more year so who better to learn from than him for Jordan Davis I mean we saw the athletic ability that he was that he just possesses at 340 pounds he ran under a 4840 at over 340 pounds at the combine this year it was amazing He's going to be able to just wreck havoc, especially alongside Calais Campbell. With their st- with the Ravens' stars at other positions getting healthy, Ronnie Stanley 
looking good along the offensive line. They're getting Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters back in the secondary. The Ravens can go best position still available of a need and not miss out on Davis's ability and his athleticism and this insane talent that I just don't see the Ravens passing up on. They can just obviously, I, I don't think they're going to be as decimated by injuries as they were this past season where they lost like three starting running backs. I think they also lost three starting defensive backs as well, which is why I thought of going corner with their first pick, but hopefully those guys can stay healthy. They're able to get a big need and a huge, huge, literally, talent at the defensive tackle position in Jordan Davis. Then the Eagles, McDuffie is is corner out of Washington, considered possibly the safest player in this draft where he'll be, what that means is he'll just be a really good corner in this league for a long time, and that's what the Eagles need. He's got, not going to bust, he's not going to be one of those guys, it's like Derek Stingley, for example. Derek Stingley could be the best player in this draft, he could also flame out of the NFL in three or four years, not be a reliable cornerback. Trent McDuffie, kind of in that middle area where, hey, he's worth that first round pick because he's going to be a consistent, good corner in this league. Eagles need that outside of Darius Slay. I know wide receiver is a thought for, for the Eagles here, but three straight years, three straight years with a first-round wide receiver when there are a lot of needs, that just doesn't make sense to me. And I'll, and, and I'll get to it as well with their other first-round pick, why I don't go wide receiver at all for the, Del- for the Philadelphia Eagles in this first round. This is a good option for them to lock down that outside number two corner spot at a premium position. Trent McDuffie to the Eagles. And then 16, Jamison Williams for the New Orleans Saints. I think the Saints are going to use this newfound first-round pick that they traded for to move themselves up for a quarterback or an offensive tackle, whether they want a Charles Cross to replace Teron Armstead, or maybe they want a quarterback like Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis. In this case, they won't have to trade up for Malik Willis. We'll get to that in a second. But here, they take a new weapon to add to this offense outside of Michael Thomas and Elvin Kamara. They are lacking talent along the offense here. Williams tore his ACL in the national championship game for Alabama against Georgia. He looks to be ahead of schedule on his rehab from that torn ACL, so he could play maybe early to mid-season is the hope for him. I mean, and Williams just has game-breaking speed that just matches really well with the possession receiver of Michael Thomas and the -the out-of-the-backfield threat that Alvin Kamara is. You can have Jamison Williams be the guy on those deep balls, whether it's from Jameis Winston or whoever they bring in at quarterback. I mean, he still has a chance to be the first wide receiver taken, even coming off of this devastating ACL injury. So you know this guy is going to be a game changer once he's healthy and out there. He just makes a ton of sense for the New Orleans Saints at 16. Then we got the next four picks, Trevor Penning. The offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa going to the Los Angeles Chargers. Philadelphia Eagles then with their second first-round pick taking Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle out of Georgia. New Orleans Saints with their other first-round pick as well. This is where they get their quarterback in Malik Willis, the quarterback from Liberty. And then 20th overall, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they take Zion Johnson, the offensive guard out of Boston College. So let's start with the Los Angeles Chargers here. Trevor Penning, this to me just makes too much sense. Penning can slide in as their starting right tackle from day one and just bring some nastiness to this offensive line. If you haven't seen some of the highlights of him at the Senior Bowl, they are just great, the way that he plays in his mentality along, along the offensive line. He's, he's, got a nasty, uh, he's got a nasty streak for sure. So you got Trevor Penning on the right tackle. you got Rashawn Slater at left tackle. They can bookend and protect Justin Herbert, for 10-plus years, allowing the offensive line to be a strength for the Chargers after having some troubles this past season. This team's ready to compete for a deep playoff run. Offensive line was one of the very few holes on this team. You got a superstar at quarterback in Justin Herbert. You got to be able to protect him. A wide receiver has been another popular one here for the Chargers. Who doesn't want a wide receiver, of course? I mean, it'd be nice, but it seems to me like a luxury for this team that has two high-end wide receivers in Keenan Allen Mike Williams, they also got guys like Jalen Guyton. They brought in Gerald Everett at the tight end position as well. I mean, who wouldn't like that? But when you have a need at a premium position like offensive line and a tackle position for sure, that's where Trevor Penning just fills that big hole and seems like a perfect fit to me, Trevor Penning to the Chargers. So then I went Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle 
to the Eagles at 18. Same as above. I mean, the, the thing that made the Eagles so good down the stretch last season wasn't an air raid offense. It was running the ball for 200-plus yards a game. That's how they're going to win games next season, not with three, three straight years of a first-round wide receiver. So I don't think that the Eagles should go wide receiver. That's why I didn't, in my opinion, in my mock draft, give them a wide receiver with their first-round picks. That's not how they're going to win. They're going to win running the ball. They have one of the better offensive lines, so they don't need another offensive lineman. What they need is to stop the run on the other side of the ball. Eagles, they brought back, uh, excuse me, the Eagles brought back Fletcher Cox for one more year, so they need some youth along that position on the defensive front line. Also, this has helped planning for the future so they can move past Fletcher Cox next year. They had one of the one worst run defenses in the NFL. Wyatt can help them with that as well because of the athleticism that Wyatt possesses as well. As much as I've talked about Jordan Davis up above, his teammate at Georgia, Wyatt, he also ran under a 4.8 40-yard dash, and he's also over 300 pounds. So this guy can move. I mean, you get Devontae Wyatt, Trent McDuffie. This Eagles defense is immediately better with two possible immediate starters so that they can contend for that NFC East title once again, I think this is how the Eagles should attack it with their defense. I don't think they need another first-round wide receiver. They just went Jalen Rager and Devontae Smith. While Jalen Rager may not work out, I just you can get one in the second round with a deep wide receiver class that this is. I think you have other needs when you can grab a starting defensive tackle and a starting cornerback for a defense that badly needs help. For the New Orleans Saints, then, here's the QB for the Saints. They may have to trade up to get him. But I'm not doing trades, so in this scenario, they can grab him here at 19. I'm not sold, really, on Jameis Winston being the long-term solution for them or the long-term answer to be Drew Brees' successor. Willis has Malik Willis has the potential to be the best quarterback in this draft, possibly the only franchise quarterback in this draft as well. I mean, he has great size for the position, his arm strength, he can unload the ball, and the athleticism as well is enticing. He can sit for a year as well. They re-signed Jameis Winston to a one-year deal. Maybe not learn everything from Jameis in terms of his decision-making. Maybe that's something that you can uh, try to develop on your own instead of taking from Jameis. But just taking in the NFL for what it is, learning, being a backup, and letting him grow for a year before taking over the reins in New Orleans makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, with Drew Brees long gone, this gives the Saints, I think, their potential long-term successor at quarterback. I think Malik Willis to the Saints here. They might have to trade up. If Kenny Pickett's their guy, they're going to have to trade up for him as well. I think, though, that the Saints need a new quarterback. I don't think Jameis Winston is the long-term answer. And then with the Pittsburgh Steelers here at 20, I gave them Zion Johnson, the guard out of Boston College, another really safe, smart draft pick. He's going to be one of those players that is going to be a starting offensive guard in the NFL for 10-plus years. Like I said, they could be a trade-up candidate looking for Big Ben's successor. They signed Mitchell Trubisky this offseason. I don't think they're going to want to reach for a Desmond Ritter or a Matt Corral for, for quarterback. And instead, I think they need to build, rebuild, excuse me, that offensive line because it needs a lot of help. And then with that revamped offensive line, Najee Harris, after coming off that huge rookie season, the Steelers should become a heavy run-first team. Zion Johnson, safe, secure pick can plug and play at guard and be reliable. You can run behind them for 10 years. I just think that's the way that the Steelers should be going. It might be the way that they're thinking anyways with Mitchell Trubisky now being their quarterback. We saw what Najee Harris was able to handle. Give him a better offensive line as well, and I think he could have an even better second season in the NFL. That makes a ton of sense to me for the Pittsburgh Steelers with the 20th pick. All right, so then we got the next four picks. 21 to 24, New England Patriots. At 21, they take Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah. Green Bay Packers then. This is the pick that they got from the Las Vegas Raiders in the Devontae Adams trade. They take Chris Olave, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. Then we got the Arizona Cardinals at 23, taking wide receiver Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. And the Dallas Cowboys at 24, taking Tyler Smith, the offensive lineman out of Tulsa. Let's start with the New England Patriots. This is a, a prime spot for someone to trade up. Bill Belichick loves to move around the draft board, and I thought corner here for the New England Patriots as well in Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson after they lost 
J.C. Jackson in free agency, but Devin Lloyd can be the leader on Bill Belichick's defense with the loss of Kyle Van Noy at that middle linebacker spot. I mean, he has the speed and athleticism to be a sideline-to-sideline linebacker. He can cover tight ends and running backs as well, but he also can rush the passer. Bill Belichick loves versatility from a lot of his players as well, can utilize this unique skill set that he has. I think this is just like a perfect fit if the Patriots decide not to trade out of it. Getting a potential, this is a potential top 10 player in this draft, just ranking them 1 through 10. I believe Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network has him in his top 10, maybe around 9 or something like that. But middle linebacker is not a premium position that a lot of teams covet, so he falls here to the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. Makes a ton of sense. So, Green Bay Packers, this one I'll, I'll spend a little bit on. I have them taking Chris Olave, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. If you haven't heard yet, not sure where you've been, but the Green Bay Packers haven't drafted a wide receiver in the first round since 2002, 20 years. They very, mel- they very well might keep that streak going this year. I don't think wide receiver, just because they traded Devontae Adams, I don't think it's something they need to force. I don't think it's something they need to trade up for, but... If one of the top four wide receivers falls to them at 22, the Garrett Wilson that I had going to the Falcons, Drake London going to the Texans, Jamison Williams going to the Saints, Chris Olave here to the Packers. If one of those four is available at 22, I think the Packers would pull the trigger, and if I were them, I would pull the trigger. After trading Devontae, Packers probably had to walk through a plan with Aaron Rodgers on how they are going to restock the wide receiver room. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to come back to a rebuilding Green Bay Packers. Packers don't want to be a rebuilding team when they have the best quarterback in the NFL. They also lost Marquez Valdez-Scantling, so they need to restock that wide receiver room. Signing Sammy Watkins is nice. He's not going to be your number one option this year. Chris Olave can be the new number one wide receiver right away, probably the best route runner in this draft, and the separation that he's able to to, to create as well, not to mention He's got breakaway speed. He's under a 4-4 40-yard dash guy at the combine. Packers don't need to force wide receiver. They don't need to force it. But if one of those guys is available, Olave, for example, is available at 22, I think they pull the trigger for the first time in 20 years. If I were them, this is why I'm making the pick. It's not a homer pick in terms of I forced Chris Olave to go to the Green Bay Packers. I told you my reasoning. For the Eagles not taking a wide receiver and for why some of these other teams won't take a wide receiver, I think if the Packers have the availability to take one of those top four guys, I think they pull the trigger. I don't have to explain my reasoning for it. I did not start this draft at 22 and give the Packers Chris Olave. I promise you, I went 1 through 20, one through 32 excuse me, with this draft thinking what I think each team to, should do. Chris Olave was there for the Packers, and I think that's something they should do if one of those top four guys is available at the 22nd pick. All right, Arizona Cardinals then at 23, Traylon Burks. Even after the Cardinals brought back A.J. Green, I could see the Cardinals going this route with with Traylon Burks. He brings a different kind of skill set than the other receivers in this draft and the receivers that they have on their team. He can do a lot of the similar things as Debo Samuel for the 49ers or even A.J. Brown for the Titans. He's one of those bigger, thicker wide receivers taking jet sweeps all the way to the house. He can even line up in the backfield sometimes taking handoffs, has the strength after the catch, which reminds you a lot of A.J. Brown from the Titans. I think he'd be a really nice fit alongside DeAndre Hopkins, who missed a lot of time last year with injury. A.J. Green, who's getting older as well. Traylon Burks could be that number three maybe even bump up to that number two wide receiver as well. This is planning for the future post A.J. Green. We'll see if DeAndre Hopkins can stay healthy for a full season as well. Also, I think this could be another step for them to help smooth things over with the Kyler Murray drama that they had this offseason. He says he wants to stay in Arizona. They haven't given him a new deal yet. Here's a new weapon on offense that brings a unique skill set for the offense to utilize this season as well. Traylon Burks the Arizona Cardinals. And then the Dallas Cowboys at pick 24, I gave them Tyler Smith, the offensive lineman out of Tulsa. Cowboys lost their starting right tackle, Lyle Collins, to the Bengals this offseason, and they just need to get younger and rebuild some depth along the offensive line. And Tyler Smith is about as young as they get. He just turned 21. He's very raw, but the Cowboys are great at developing offensive linemen. 
you can grow into a really good lineman for them and a potential replacement, I think, for Tyrone Smith when the time comes. We've seen him be injured. It's been a couple of straight years now where he hasn't been on the field for 16, 17 games for a full season. This is an investment for the future, I think. He can even start at right tackle. He can compete for right tackle right now and eventually be the left tackle of the future. That's a pretty decent payoff, in my opinion, for the Dallas Cowboys. Tyler Smith at 24 to Dallas. I also thought of Kenyon Green, the guard out of Texas A&M, because of his versatility. They've kind of got their guard spots locked down right now. Tyler Smith can be their starting right tackle right now if he wins that spot in training camp, but then he can be their starting left tackle of the future when it's time to move on from Tyrone Smith. All right, 25 through 28 then. We got the Buffalo Bills picking at 25. I gave them Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback out of Clemson. Then at 26, the Tennessee Titans, I gave them Desmond Ritter, the quarterback out of Cincinnati. That'll be a fun one to explain in a second here. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 27. I gave them Kenyon Green. I just mentioned him for the Cowboys, the offensive lineman out of Texas A&M. And then 28, the Green Bay Packers with their second first-round pick, George Karloftis, the edge rusher out of Purdue. So let's start at 25 with the Buffalo Bills. This could be a running back. But the Bills have they have very few holes on this team, so that's why running back could be an option, another weapon on offense. But one of the holes on this team is solidifying that second quarterback, cornerback spot outside of Tredavious White. He's returning from an injury, didn't play in the playoffs last season. Andrew Booth Jr. can come in, compete for that spot opposite Tredavious White right away to improve the Bills' secondary, which we saw got kind of taken for a ride against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Booth, better in press coverage than he is as he gets a little bit lazy sometimes in the off-man coverage, which I think will immediately be coached out of him to not give up some of those big plays in zone coverage. Overall, this is a move that helps the Bills shore up a big hole on this roster. They're ready to compete for a couple of runs at the Super Bowl with Josh Allen at the helm. Andrew Booth alongside Tredavious White. They lost Levi Wallace in free agency, so they need to solidify cornerback spot number two. Andrew Booth can do that for the Buffalo Bills. Desmond Ritter then, the quarterback out of Cincinnati, led them to the college football playoffs this past season. And I was thinking of going offensive line here to open up more holes for Derrick Henry coming off of a little bit of an injury-riddled season. But then I heard Rhett Lewis on NFL Network make an argument of a move like this for the Titans. And I was convinced, and I thought it was a really smart move for them, so I decided to, to implement it myself. And here's why I'm giving the Tennessee Titans a quarterback. We saw Ryan Tannehill's last game. So this is the last memory that fans in the front office have of Ryan Tannehill and what his last season kind of is is in. This is what the last thing you think of. And and when you think Ryan Tannehill's season last year, it's not a pretty image. And it was the game against the Bengals in the wild card game. He threw three interceptions, including the last one to seal their fate while their defense had nine sacks in this game and the Titans still lost. And a lot of that can be blamed on Ryan Tannehill. The question is, can Ryan Tannehill be their Super Bowl quarterback? He's going to get a big contract soon, or he's going to at least ask for a big contract soon, and that's going to take away from other pieces on this team. And if he's not the guy that can lift other players on the offense and carry a team, like an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady, a Patrick Mahomes, make guys around him better, why would you give him that big contract if it's going to be to the detriment of the rest of your team? And if he's not, then this is the case for the Titans in a rare chance to grab a top prospect with other teams passing on quarterbacks. Tannehill's also got an easy contract to get out of next year if they want to move on so they can have a cheap, talented quarterback on a five-year deal Instead of paying $40 million plus, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is up to $50 million now. Tannehill will certainly command around that $40 million threshold that can't get them where they want to go. Ritter can sit behind Tannehill for a year, maybe two if necessary, and learn before taking over, which then allows the Titans to spend big elsewhere with a cheap quarterback, kind of like what the Chargers are doing right now. You saw the Chargers, they got a big-time cornerback in free agency. They traded for Khalil Mack. 
They signed one of their wide receivers to a big $20 million deal. Right now, the Titans also have to probably pay A.J. Brown around $25-plus million this upcoming offseason, or the rest of this offseason, excuse me. If Tannehill's not the guy that can get you to the Super Bowl, this is the Titans' chance to grab a big-time quarterback prospect all the way down in the late 20s. They're not going to get that kind of opportunity until maybe they either move on from Tannehill or they're stuck with Tannehill from a big quarterback contract. Then your rebuild takes longer. This is a way to rebuild on the fly. Grow your own quarterback as well. Mike Vrabel, John Robinson, they've got new deals. This is the kind of pick they can afford to make as well. They can invest in their future with this kind of pick in Desmond Ritter. It made a lot of sense from Rhett Lewis, so it makes a lot of sense for me as well why the Titans would do this. I don't know if Ryan Tannehill, we've talked about this year after year. The Titans are great in the regular season. Derrick Henry is the best player in what makes this offense go. Not sure if Ryan Tannehill can be that guy, so why not try and get a cheaper quarterback who can be possibly better than Ryan Tannehill? And then you can build the rest of this roster around a cheap quarterback like the Chargers are doing with Justin Herbert. Makes a ton of sense. That's why I went Desmond Ritter. And Desmond Ritter's a winner. We saw what he was able to do with that Cincinnati program, getting them to be the first non-Power 5 school into the college football playoffs. Incredible. I think Desmond Ritter to the Tennessee Titans makes a ton of sense at 26. Tampa Bay Buccaneers then at 27. Kenyon Green, the offensive lineman out of Texas A&M. Protect Tom Brady after losing two starting interior offensive linemen. Just makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, they traded for one, but they still have a need at the other guard spot. Tom Brady may not look 45 with his play from a year ago, but if he gets hit too many times, I'm telling you right now, he'll look older than 45 trying to evade a constant pass rush. If Tom Brady is upright, he's still one of the best three quarterbacks in the NFL, in my opinion, and can lead the Buccaneers, especially in the weaker NFC South. He can lead them to another division title and a playoff berth, but he needs to be protected. Kenyon Green can play all over the offensive line, maybe except center, which they don't need, but he can start at guard for the Buccaneers. He can be an emergency spot start at tackle if needed. He kind of resembles some Elgin Jenkins for what he does with the Packers with his versatility that he brings to a team. Makes a ton of sense for the Buccaneers at 27. Then at 28, the Green Bay Packers, I gave them George Karloftis, the edge rusher out of Purdue. And this is just such a Packer pick that I would not be surprised if they took him at pick 22. This is pick 28. I'm sorry. Pick 28 for Green Bay, George Karloftis. But it's such a Packer pick that it would make sense if they took him at pick 22, if Olave isn't available. This is what the Packers look for when it comes to first-round picks. Very athletic, premium position of need, edge rusher. Very young, got to be like under 23, under 22 and a half years old. George Karloftis just turned 21, like the other month or something, and played for a Power 5 school. He's in the Big Ten Conference with Purdue. Packers also need some depth at edge rusher behind Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary after losing Zadarius Smith this offseason. Karloftis is very powerful. He's very, he, he uses that bull rush and that speed to get up into the offensive lineman to get to the backfield. He might not have all the pass rushing moves down packed, but with his power, he'll still be a very impactful pass rusher. He can also grow into a similar role that Rashawn Gary was, being a situational pass rusher at first and another depth piece for Green Bay. Remember Rashawn Gary, when they drafted him, that was the same offseason that they signed Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. Rashawn Gary was able to come in situationally. Now he's grown into their number one pass rusher. Karloftis could be the same thing if they have to move on. If Preston Smith has to be a cap casualty in a couple of years, Karloftis is that depth piece also for injuries as well. This pick to me just screams Packers. Like I said, even if he isn't, if Olave isn't available at 22, Karloftis could be their pick there. This is one of the handful of picks that I would uh, be very confident on, say, X player lands on on Y team. So like example, like Derek Stingley to the Vikings, I'm very confident could happen. Jordan Davis to the Ravens, Trevor Penning to the Chargers, and this one, George Karloftis to the, the Green Bay Packers, whether it's at pick 22 or 28. This one just makes a ton of sense for the Packers, and I have him going there at 28. All right, then we got the last four picks of my 2022 mock draft. Start with two Chiefs picks. That's the last ding for, for this. I used to do it after every 
for every selection in my mock draft. Now I do it once every four picks. Hopefully that doesn't make you turn off the podcast episode after like pick like eight or something like that. Now there's only eight total dings in this mock draft episode. But the Kansas City Chiefs, their two first-round picks, I go Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver out of Penn State for them at 29. Boy Mafe, the edge rusher from Minnesota at pick 30. I go with the Cincinnati Bengals then at pick 31 with Tyler Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa. And then with the last pick in the first round, the Detroit Lions take Daxton Hill, the cornerback secondary player from Michigan. So we'll start with the Chiefs and their two picks. Two big needs filled here. We know the Chiefs traded away Tyreek Hill and did their best to bring in some bodies in Marquez Valdez-Scaling, Juju Smith-Schuster. But I think Jahan Dotson can complete their wide receiver room going into the season. He has deep speed, but also incredible quickness, kind of similar to Tyreek Hill, to separate, get open immediately for Patrick Mahomes in the quick passing game. Also, Dotson may have the best hands in this draft as well. So the Chiefs don't, so if the Chiefs, excuse me, don't trade up, for one of the top three wide receivers. A lot of people like Jamison Williams to the Chiefs. I'm not doing trades, but so if they don't trade up, I think they could be extremely happy ending up with Jahan Dotson, not having to give up any of their draft capital to get him as well. Jahan Dotson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Mecole Hardman. That's a pretty nice four wide receiver room for Patrick Mahomes. Don't forget he's still got the best tight end in football in Travis Kelsey as well. Then I gave them Boy Mafe at 30. They need some more production from the pass rushing position outside of Chris Jones. They also have some health concerns with Frank Clark at the edge rusher. Boy Mafe has incredible speed coming off the edge. He's got incredible bend as well to get under these offensive tackles. And once he gets to the quarterback, he's great at finishing finishing the job, doesn't miss a lot of tackles. His best football could still be ahead of him. The Chiefs have the ability to wait for that to pay off as well, whether it's later in the year, come playoff time, or maybe next season as well. Mafe could become a really good pass rusher, possibly a double-digit sack production as well for the Chiefs at pick 30. Then for the Bengals, I gave them Tyler Linderbaum. Bengals have done a great job so far this offseason revamping their offensive line, bringing in possibly three new starters. They brought in Ted Karras to be their new center, but he could slide over to left guard, I think, if the Bengals take Linderbaum here who has a chance to be this year's Creed Humphrey, the Chiefs center, and an immediate Pro Bowl caliber center, someone to protect Joe Burrow for years to come. One of the best center prospects in years, and in my opinion, would complete the Bengals' revamped offensive line easily. Like I just mentioned it in that Titans segment. They gave up nine sacks in a playoff game and somehow still won. Can you imagine what Joe Burrow can do if they gave up maybe just one sack in a game? Incredible, especially with the, I mean, that offense is basically complete then with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and then this brand new offensive line. Joe Mixon might have a career year as well with a new offensive line like this. Tyler Linderbaum to the Bengals makes a ton of sense for me at the end of the first round here. And then the Detroit Lions, Daxton Hill, cornerback, also a safety out of Michigan. Lions still in a really good position, take best available prospect. That could be a top wide receiver, maybe a Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks, if they fall down here to 32. But with Daxton Hill still available, I think this would be a great addition to their secondary. We remember Jeff Okuda, their third overall pick in the draft. I think it was just two years ago now. He hasn't been really available for them due to a lot of injuries, so they need some more talent and depth. And Hill has the versatility to play box safety for the Lions. He can even play slot corner if that's something Detroit needs him to do. Detroit can use him all over the field. Also a very, very good tackler. Very aggressive in in the run game as well. Something that Dan Campbell will love. Dan Campbell gets two really tough, physical, talented Michigan defenders to bookend the first round. So that is my 2022 NFL mock draft. I'll go through the picks really fast right here. Jaguars at number one taking Evan Neal. Detroit Lions taking Aiden Hutchinson at number two. Texans taking Kavion Thibodeau at number three. New York Jets, Ahmad Sauce Gardner at number four. New York Giants, Iki Ikwanu at number five. Carolina Panthers, Kenny Pickett at number six. New York Giants again at seven, taking Trayvon Walker. Atlanta Falcons at eight, taking Garrett Wilson. Seattle Seahawks at nine, taking Charles Cross. New York Jets again, their second top ten pick, Jermaine Johnson. Number 11, the Washington Commanders taking Kyle Hamilton. 
Minnesota Vikings at 12, taking Derek Stingley. Houston Texans taking Drake London at 13. 14, Baltimore Ravens, Jordan Davis. 15, Philadelphia Eagles taking Trent McDuffie. The New Orleans Saints taking Jameson Williams at 16. At 17, the Los Angeles Chargers taking Trevor Penning. Philadelphia Eagles taking Devontae Wyatt at 18. New Orleans Saints with their second first-round pick taking Malik Willis at 19. Pittsburgh Steelers taking Zion Johnson at 20. New England Patriots, Devin Lloyd at 21. Green Bay Packers with their first pick at 22, taking Chris Olave. Arizona Cardinals at 23, taking Traylon Burks. Tyler Smith to the Dallas Cowboys at 24. Buffalo Bills taking Andrew Booth Jr. at 25. Tennessee Titans taking Desmond Ritter at 26. Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Kenyon Green at 27. Green Bay Packers with their second first-round pick taking George Karloftis at 28. Kansas City Chiefs at 29 and 30 taking Jahan Dotson and Boy Mafe. Tyler Linderbaum at 31 to the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Detroit Lions rounding it out with Daxton Hill at pick number 32. Here's some big names that I don't have going in the first round that could easily be up there. There's four, four Georgia guys that could go in the first round that I didn't have going in there. Nicobe Dean, the linebacker. Lewis Seen, the safety. Quay Walker, another linebacker. And also George Pickens, their wide receiver. Those four guys, just all out of Georgia right there, could be first-rounders. Two potential first-round running backs in Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker. Logan Hall and Arnold Ibike. Two edge rushers and defensive linemen that could be first-rounders. The other two quarterbacks that have been talked about as potential first-rounders in Matt Corral and Sam Howell. And then a couple wide receivers as well. Sky Moore, Christian Watson could find themselves in the top 32 picks. All right. That takes us to our final thought on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Draft trades that I see happening. Here's one, and this makes sense on why I didn't have the New York Jets taking a wide receiver with the 10th overall pick because I could see the New York Jets trading the 35th, the 38th, and the 69th overall pick to the San Francisco 49ers for Debo Samuel. It makes a lot of sense to me. It it, It seems like now that Debo Samuel is at the point that Devontae Adams was at where it doesn't matter how much money you throw at him. He doesn't want to be in San Francisco anymore. It's been reported by Tom Palacero that he doesn't like how many handoffs and how much he's getting used out of the backfield, which is one of the reasons why he's so valuable to a lot of teams at this point. He doesn't think his shelf life or he'll be able to play as long in the NFL if he keeps taking the workload that he was in San Francisco. It doesn't look like, and what it sounds like is the 49ers are willing to pay him at this point, but it could be another Devontae situation where he's just like, you know what, I don't want to be on this team anymore. So I think the Jets could swoop in, give them the 35th and 38th overall picks along with the third rounder. They might have to throw in a little bit more as well since they're not throwing in a first rounder. I think the 10th overall pick is a little rich for Debo Samuel, but this is why I didn't have the New York Jets taking a wide receiver with the 10th overall pick because I have them trading for Debo Samuel with those two second round picks. It just seems like it's something that could happen. I would not be surprised if it happens between now and and when the draft starts. That would be a very exciting, make for a very exciting start to the NFL draft, which is already very exciting with, with nothing happening. Other big name wide receivers, I don't think get traded. A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, they do not get traded from their respective teams. Also, D.K. Metcalf, I don't think he's going to get traded before the draft starts. Of one of those three, if one were to get traded, DK Metcalf, in my opinion, is most likely. But I don't think those three wide receivers will get traded before the draft. Debo Samuel, I think he will get traded before this draft. Allows the San Francisco 49ers to get really valuable top second-round picks. It could allow them to trade back into the first round if there's a guy that they really like there. Another trade that I see happening, Baker Mayfield. I think he gets traded to Seattle after day two for maybe like a fifth round pick and the Browns have to pay for a lot of his $19 million contract. This is why I don't think the Seattle Seahawks take a quarterback with that ninth overall pick, maybe take a left tackle to protect a Baker Mayfield. And then he can, I don't think he's going to compete with Drew Locke. I think the position would be his, but the Browns are not going to go into the season with Baker Mayfield on the roster. I don't see him getting traded to the Carolina Panthers 
We've already seen a lot of their players come out against it. I think that would make it really awkward and just make no sense for anybody on that team. But Baker Mayfield traded to the Seattle Seahawks after the second round of this draft, maybe for like a fourth or a fifth round pick, probably a fifth round pick, something like that. Baker Mayfield to the Seahawks, I think I could see that happening. Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think he's going to get traded before this draft. If he does, it would be to the Carolina Panthers, but I just don't see it happening. I don't see Jimmy Garoppolo being traded. I don't know what the holdup is with it. If it was because of his shoulder surgery and he's not going to be able to throw until maybe the middle of training camp, if that's what's holding it up or what, or maybe the maybe the San Francisco 49ers just don't want to get rid of him yet. I don't know. But I don't see Jimmy Garoppolo being traded this week or during the draft, which makes me think that he'll end up on the 49ers roster this year. So that's another one. And then some trade candidates to move up and down in this year's draft. A couple teams, I think, move up. The Saints, for one, for a quarterback or an offensive tackle. Maybe they really like Kenny Pickett. They move up for him. Maybe they, if they move up for an offensive tackle, that would surprise me. I think they would move up for a quarterback. But Saints are one to watch out for. The Chiefs. With the 29th and the 30th overall pick, they have the most picks in the draft this year as well. Could be a prime team to move up. The Lions, with the 32nd overall pick and the 34th overall pick, they could move up into the first round a little bit more if they wanted to. They could move back with that 32nd pick as well if some team wants to come into the first round, grab a quarterback. Eagles are a team that are looking to probably move as well with 15 and 18. They can move back, grab more picks for next year. They can move up for someone that they really like. The Giants are a team to me that are in a prime position to trade down along with the Panthers and Falcons. If the Panthers don't love a quarterback, maybe they don't want a quarterback. Maybe they can trade back a little bit, get an offensive tackle that they like. Same with the Falcons. They need more draft capital as well. And then the Ravens and the Packers. Brian Gudekins loves moving around the draft board to grab guys that he wants. I don't know if that necessarily means to trade up in the first round, maybe to trade down in the first round to gather more picks on in the second round or the third round. But the Ravens and the Packers are teams that like to move around on draft day as well. So keep an eye on those teams. I think, if anything, we'll see the Saints move up on the first night of draft night. I think we'll see the Giants move back with one of their first-round picks. I also think we'll see the Packers move back with one of their first-round picks, probably 28 for a team that might want to trade up for a quarterback. And I think the Chiefs are a team to look to move up, maybe to grab one of the top wide receivers that they like in this draft. So that's my final thought. So those are some of the draft trades I could see happening this week since the draft is two days away. I can't wait. All right. And then final, final thought on this episode of the final, final podcast. All draft so far, but I got to get some basketball in here because I don't know how I could go an episode without mentioning this. Only one broom needed for the first round. The Brooklyn Nets have been swept by the Boston Celtics after probably being the most popular pick to win the Eastern Conference, even as a seven seed, even as a team that hasn't gelled all season. They're swept. They're gone. No longer in the playoffs. I love it. They were also the betting favorite to begin the season to win the NBA championship. That's when they had Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. Now they have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons, who doesn't want to play. Either way, they're gone, no longer in the playoffs. Two of the most talked about teams this season, having two of the most disappointing seasons of all time in the Los Angeles Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets, and they'll still be the most talked about teams this offseason. Not the eventual champs, whoever they end up being. It'll be the Lakers and the Nets. I don't know where the Nets go from here. I don't know how to solve Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Steve Nash in that organization. I mean, they tried with with James Harden. They didn't try very long. I don't know. I just think it's funny that everybody, even, even with all the red flags that were popping up day in and day out for the Brooklyn Nets, they're still like, well, this team is too talented. I would definitely pick them to beat the Boston Celtics and to make it through the entire Eastern Conference. And then the Boston Celtics just swept them. I think this says a lot about the Boston Celtics, to be honest, because this team is really good. They're going to probably face the Milwaukee Bucks, knock on wood, in the second round. Milwaukee Bucks are up 3-1 on the Chicago Bulls, and they just lost their second-best player in Zach Levine due to the COVID protocols. So if we get a second-round matchup of Bucks versus Celtics, that could be that that to me should be the Eastern Conference Finals matchup right there. But wow, 
that is going to be an insanely competitive series. That's going to be so much fun if that's what we end up getting. And it's like, I'll do it again, knock on wood, that the Bucks give us that matchup. But it says a lot about the Celtics, what they were able to do to the Nets. I had no faith in the Nets getting past the Celtics anyway. And now they're the only team in this playoff, in the 2022 playoffs, to be swept. Hilarious to me. Boston Celtics moving on to the second round. Congratulations to them. That is it. That is all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. I'm sorry for going a little bit longer than I've been trying to do in these more recent episodes, but my 2022 NFL mock draft, I knew it was going to be long. I tried to make it a little faster, but it's one of my favorite to do every year. So thanks for sticking with me on it. I appreciate it. I think I'm going to try to do an episode this coming Friday after the first round of the NFL draft, kind of just give you an immediate reaction and what I'm feeling from each team in the first 32 picks in this year's NFL draft. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe out there. As always, you are listening to The Final Final.